welcome. You're tuned in to Make Room Podcast, the podcast where we make room for you to sit down, voice your thoughts and share your experiences. In today's episode, episode four, we'll be exploring the broad topic of racism from a global perspective, the lasting effects and ripples of racism's history that is still felt across the globe, the subtle and not so subtle consequences woven into the fabric of nations and cultures hit the hardest. As always, grab a seat and a drink and let's get into it. In this episode, I am joined by my former colleague and friend Mariam Khan. Mariam was born and raised in North London and is a second generation Pakistani. Having graduated from the School of Oriental and African Studies in London, Mariam currently works in the fashion industry. She is a self-described advocate and activist who uses her voice and platforms to push for change in the world around her. In this episode, she speaks vividly about her life experiences growing up with immigrant parents from Pakistan and growing up Muslim in a world that doesn't take too kindly to any of those two identities. You're tuned in to Make Room Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know, today we're going to be talking about racism, but from like a worldwide lens. And we're really just going to be hitting on topics that sort of explore how racism have affected um, certain countries or groups of people, cultures, etc. On a like on a more of a global scale. What are your experiences in terms of racism have you personally faced racism before have what sort of experiences or stories do you have to tell I have experienced it I've been called a terrorist before but or a paki mm. it's like I don't know in our kind of culture and like community and if you're Asian you're mm. automatically a paki mm. you're not anything else or if you're Muslim you're automatically a terrorist you believe in the views of ISIS something is taken to the extreme like you might not even be religious it's just if they're not like your name can hold quite a bit of you know people assume and jump to conclusions that okay you're a muslim Mm. i've seen a lot of racism living in the uk you kind of can't hide from it Mm. but then if you're globally aware as well if you watch the news or you know if you're on like social media it's very hard to hide yourself from seeing or hearing other racist like stories right I mean so we all know that it can manifest itself in different ways shapes and forms I think sort of the biggest um, example of this on a global scale is just a massive sentiment of intolerance Mm. for other people a lot of the intolerances that different cultures have for other different cultures or other different people come and stem from the effects of racism. And racism doesn't have to necessarily be about the color of your skin. It could be about, you know, what religion you you have. And, you know, we all know that there are many global conflicts that have happened and are still happening to this day because of those effects. You know, you touched on the UK and you know, when you're here, you can't really hide from it. But it's interesting because there'd be some people who would disagree with you on that. 
there would be quite a few people that would disagree. The first problem probably in the UK is lack of education in this sector. Mm-hmm. When you go to school, you don't, you're not taught that people have these views as well. Mm-hmm. And when you're young, you don't understand these things at all. So you, someone might actually, as the, another child could literally be being racist, that mm-hmm. child not knowing that it's racist because they've not been taught that. They think it's okay. And for you to then also think it's okay. And we're brought up in this way. But lately, the biggest example I can give is the statue in Bristol. Mm. Or to actually, and you know, like the statue of Churchill. And then you can actually see physically this like two-sided argument where you, I would like, be like oh it's racist Mm. that this person was a racist he was a slave trader Mm. in my head it makes so much sense like to take down that statue and for so many years people have been trying to take down the statue we never see that actually there is another side where people Mm. don't want the statue to be taken they think it's their heritage and their history but they don't understand that that history was wrong Mm. a statue is made to honor someone how can you honor that history Mm. So here, the history is not taught, firstly. We don't learn. A lot of things are shielded in certain ways in the media. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that the media does here, which highlights stereotypes, but don't affect the people living in the UK kind of thing. Mm. So we're kind of taught in very like clever ways by the media. They create our stereotypes. Yeah. They create the stereotype. We are... You know, even if you put the radio on, like certain stations, not all stations I'm saying, but certain stations, when you put them, like when you watch the news, you're going to see, for example, the stereotype of knife crime or stabbings or Mm. gang related crimes. Mm -hmm. They're going to show you a black person. They're putting it in the media. So when people are watching, you're going to actually, your brain is automatically going to link these two things. And associate, yeah subconsciously you might not be like oh you might not say it and think it there but over time it Mm. takes a toll and you're kind of like they're teaching you something they're like manipulating how you think yeah and it's the same with like for muslims they take it maybe to the extreme when there's like a stabbing or a terrorist attack so if it was the other way around it's never used as a terrorist attack it's always like oh the police are investigating or it's not going to come out. But as soon as they think they see a beard, they know the colour of their skin, they, they think they know what, you know, what it is. It's a terrorist attack, it's Muslim, it's Arabic. They link, all of a sudden, they've got all these links that, like, oh, we knew this person wanted to join ISIS. We, they were from Syria. They don't. So how did you yeah. know that? And it's interesting that you brought that up because I don't know if you've heard this story yet because it's still quite fresh. So six days ago, on the 22nd of July, young man in his 20s, um, who's black. He just finished his shift at Southmead Hospital and a car deliberately drove into him, broke several bones and caused lacerations on his face. And the poignant thing about this story is that the perpetrators were shouting out racial slurs at him. So they were saying, you know, fucking niggers, things like that. But when you read the article written by Bristol, Bristol Live, There is no sort of indication of it being even somewhat linked to sort of um, a terror attack, even though when we do talk about terror attacks, they're attacks where, you know, you're purposely targeting 
groups of people. Now the police have have confirmed that it was a racial racially driven attack, but if the roles were flipped, mm-hmm. and like you said, if it was a Muslim who had driven into a white man, they'd instantly be trying to link it with, you know, say it's terror links or somehow linked to ISIS or somehow linked to some extremist views, you know? It's crazy. I I just don't, I just don't understand it, but I do always warn people to take what they read from the news and from the media with a pinch of salt, because as we all know, every news outlet is biased to some degree and has a hidden agenda and has different motives behind how they choose to report their news. Even now, with this whole coronavirus, it's such a sad situation. Like, it's a pandemic the whole world is going through. It doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, country, whatever, we all are going through the same thing. But countries like America, so Trump, Mm. he's very famous for taking a situation, warping it up, and then like blaming someone. I don't know. I know it's mostly him. I'm not really sure about the UK, but there has been a few race, like racist attacks on East Asian people because people now are associating coronavirus with the Chinese mm. or anyone they think is from that area, like from East Asia. When you think the country is advanced and you would think people have learned and they're educated, you don't expect these things. How can, okay, I don't know, like, the science or anything about coronavirus, but how can you then jump to the conclusion that actually we're going to actually blame a whole nation of people for mm. coronavirus? Yeah, we, we know that the first cases came out of Wuhan, China. Yeah. But just because of that, you're seeing even in the UK, across Europe, in the States, Chinese or... East Asian people, as you said, are getting attacked and getting, you know, mistreated just for looking how they look. It's, it's crazy. You know, on that thread of COVID, all this talk about the test, the first test group being people of African descent and Caribbean descent is really fishy to me. Like there's, there's been no explanation for why they've decided to target that specific group. They have a history. I know it was two French doctors that came out with this statement. And then who, the big organisation of health, they were like, this is actually racist to Mm. just all of a sudden pick a group of people. But they've actually in history, like it repeats itself again and again. They've always secretly tested vaccines Mm. in Africa because for them, I'm talking about a group of people that have these views. Like I'm not like generalising, but like, for a certain group of people, till this day, a lot of these countries and a lot of, like, that race, like, the black race doesn't matter to them. Mm. They always think that they are, like, superior. As if they own those lives. And because they are at a disadvantage because of them, Mm. they think, oh, well, they can't exactly say no. It does show up historically many, many times. I mean, syphilis was injected into black soldiers in the American South. The whole point was to do medical research for what the effects were and what the, you know, just to do more research on syphilis as a disease. It, they, it was unknowingly done to them. They thought that they were 
getting vaccinations, etc. I mean, it's this sort of thing that I do, I do understand why there are people who are anti-vac because <laughs> just the history behind um, medical research in general is just yeah. has always been really fishy, no matter how you slice it. So talking about racism, but from that global lens, what would you say is one of the biggest effects or outcomes of that? So what what would you say, because, you know, you're originally Pakistani and I'm sure you've you've traveled to Pakistan before, haven't you, as well? And you've, you've traveled all over the place as well. But what would you say is the most common thread or the most common outcome that you've noticed Okay, so it's more linked to maybe colonisation. Okay. In where, where I'm from, and a lot of those South East Asian countries, and mm. even Asian countries, and I can probably speak for part of Africa as well, we have seen the results of colonisation and the effects. Like, this is a small thing, right? So when I go back home, they're not educated to the sense that they've never really seen black people, right? Mm. But see the colour of my like my skin is kind of... The average Pakistani has my skin colour, basically. Mm -hmm. Let's say I'm in the middle, kind of. In a lot of these countries, they have now connected having white skin as being superior. They don't understand. (laughs) Because of the British colonies, because of the whole white culture and Mm. white being superior, we've been like kind of like brainwashed to think that. Mm. These countries have also followed in this trend. Like, after colonisation, you would think, thank God, yeah, we can be ourselves, but no, we've actually adapted and molded into what they wanted us to be. Mm. So we want what they had, but it's maybe it's subconsciously, I'm not sure, but that we want what they had and we want to be fair skin. And we connect that to being beautiful, advertising these kind of trends. Um, We want to have what the West have. We look to the West, even though they colonized us, Mm. you know, we get racially abused by them. But it's so weird because we also want to be them. Churchill said, I want to look at Indian man, but when he opens his mouth, I want to think that he's a white man. And that's what they've done. And they did it so well to the point that even now, we can't even undo what they did. It's like we've been cuffed to this system, even though we're we're miles apart, but we have the same thing. We want to be them. I can't understand how people can talk like we've completely gotten over colonialism. If you go to those countries that were colonized, you can clear as they see the effects still carrying on in an active way. And like you said, a lot of it can be subconscious. This idea of idealizing Western culture or just this idea that speaking English for one is automatically puts you at a better position but it's, it is interesting you know my mom had said something to me where she was like I don't want you to think that I sent you here because I think that British culture is better I still want you to obtain your roots and to still be proud of your heritage she said <laughs> and I, I agree with this she said that she sent me over here because it's the least that they owe us yeah. At the, at the end of the day, this is how we're gaining our reparations. This is how we're gaining that entitlement to yeah. after 
decades, centuries of just suffering and being oppressed. Yeah. My thoughts on one of the biggest effects of racism that sort of hit on a global level, to me, tends to be the Christianizing or the Westernizing of names. It's been something that has personally affected me. You know, my mum purposefully gave me the name Dawn to help better my chances as I grew up so that I wouldn't encounter uh, or encounter less resistance, especially when it came to my professional development. It's still a thing today where if somebody has traditional name or a name that is from the culture and it's not necessarily um, obvious how to pronounce it, either they themselves will shorten it yeah. to, to make it easier or they themselves will just find a nickname. I don't know if you know uh, the actress from Orange is the New Black has a very traditional Nigerian name. And her mom basically said to her one day after she questioned her mom, oh, like, why does my name have to be the name that it is? Her mom was like, well, if we can say all these ancient dead composers' names, <laughs> why, 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 can't, why can't we get people to say your name? And her name is Uzo Aduba, for those who don't know. But, you know, it is, it is interesting to me that why is it a thing that even matters? Why is it that we have to or feel this urge to have to westernise our names? I mean... It's actually just lack of education. That's yeah. honestly what I can say it is. I can't even find any other way, but it is lack of education. They're so used to moulding us mm. that they haven't realised that they need to stop. You know, like our name is something that's given to us that no one, like, you know, we didn't, we didn't choose it. And for us to change it, to fit in and to make them feel more comfortable, it's so wrong. If you can't take effort to actually learn how to pronounce or even try, you might not be able to do it, but mm. if you try, we will still be grateful. Yeah. You know? I know loads of people that have come from India, Pakistan, um, Pakistan, not too much, but a lot of Indian names are really hard to pronounce right the hindi is very hard and I, I admit that and i know loads of people that have two names yeah like the chinese when i used to go to school they would have english names why do you have to do that mm -hmm. you know like be yourself like don't let them because when you start letting them they think it's okay before i used to be very sh like shy and nervous to be like oh no that's not how you pronounce it now i will teach you how to say my name because that's my name it's the same way, like, I'm not going to disrespect your name or your heritage because names have meaning. You've taken everything from us and you've mm. split our countries up. It's like, two, it's 2020 and you still can't pronounce our names. Mm. You can say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, <laughs> you can't pronounce our name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, yeah. it does get really frustrating. So it has to change. It, it does. Like, and you're right, it is this idea of miseducation or just lack of the education I really do think it's going to take a lot of self-motivation for a lot of people to unteach themselves those sort of habits I do think we need to start putting a lot more emphasis on this idea of unwhitewashing history yeah. and how history is taught especially in schools but I do think it is going to take us 
putting pressure on exam boards, um, you know, people who really have that kind of a power to, to mold what the syllabus would be. And it's going to take putting pressure on teachers as well. But, you know, for the time being, I do like this idea of parents being encouraged to also supplement their children's education. Um, I think it was in the very first episode, Dave, he mentioned how his father used to supplement his education. So whenever, for example, he'd come back from school and he learned about something in history, his dad would supplement that with, this is correct to some degree of what they've taught you, but also here's some additional reading for you to sort of go over. Um, and what that did, it just gave him a broader view and, and more of an accurate retelling of what that history is. Who were the true influences? Who were the true people who do deserve the real accolades but aren't being acknowledged? You know, there are still states in America where yeah. they will remove huge chunks of history from being taught in their classes. I don't think we do that here in the UK. We definitely avoid going into depth, the real nitty gritty of the role the UK played in, in a lot of world history. You know, the British Empire wasn't some small thing. It was called no. an empire for a reason. Yeah, that's a good point. We avoid it. We don't really include much. So I remember we were taught the great British Empire. The empire was so big at one point. We weren't taught what the empire was doing. We were just yeah. taught it was the great British empire. You know, like, great because they placed great there. They committed crimes that were disgusting. Mm. The British went in with crazy ideas and they knew what they wanted to do. They say, like, the sun never sat on the British empire. What mm. I heard someone say is because even God didn't trust them in the dark. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And we're not taught that, you know? We have to self-educate ourselves. Mm. Our parents, like our generation, I'm 23, our generation, our parents, they're here to make a living and provide mm. for their kids. That was their main purpose, to set their kids on their feet. Re that's a really good idea that your parents should be part of your education and should be teaching you out of school. Our parents mm. didn't do that because yeah. they were too busy working, right? There was like cons of social media, but at the same time, there's so much awareness you will learn things that they don't show you on the media and then you start self-educating yourself you start mm. learning and going into depth which school never gave you and then you start questioning things something that many people can't do because they're scared you have to step back and you have to question why did someone do that like mm. why did someone put a racist on the monument people suddenly found out things mm. that they were shocked about because they never knew like they never knew churchill was the cause or four million Indians dying in a famine. Mm. Churchill actually had, to a certain degree, I can say this because it is a fact and in history, Churchill had very similar views to what Hitler had. He actually praised America for killing the native Indians. Does that not scream racist to you? Mm. But people are scared to, you know, like say it. Like we're talking about UK in America and stuff but there's a lot of racism happening that we don't really see as well yeah. and we're too scared to go into because there's consequences if I opened up about what's happening in Africa right now mm. you wouldn't think it's racism you're thinking oh it's investments but there's a lot of countries that are investing 
in African countries. Mm-hmm. And we think that's normal. We think that's good. Even in Pakistan, a lot of countries are investing in Pakistan. The people in that country and the government are thinking, yeah, that's like, hooray, yeah, great. Mm. They're actually economically colonizing and yeah. taking advantage of people's disadvantages. It is a discrimination in that form. That's happening everywhere. And we're too scared to open that book. We're too scared to open that because we're scared that we don't know what the consequences like of us thinking that and knowing that are. Like in America, when George Floyd died, it opened this huge hole. You could not know. Mm. You can't be in 2020 now and say, oh, I'm not aware. Mm-hmm. Then that you're just ignorant and you are actually, you are racist. I think if you know and don't speak about it and you ignore it and you don't care, you fall under that category. I'm sorry. You asked me earlier when I said, I think the big effect of um, racism, I said colonization and Mm. how it is today. But another thing which we need to mention when I said George Floyd is in America and a lot of even here, the systems are polluted. Yeah. The colored people are always going to be disadvantaged. Yeah, it, there weren't systems built for them. It was systems no. built to maintain that specific class system. And the class system in America has always been built on the foundation of race and racial bias. You know, you touched on Africa and this idea of economic colonialism. Yeah. You know, I know firsthand, you know, Zimbabwe is um, currently in a situation where they've got this deal on with China and, you know, they're bringing in Chinese businesses, factories, etc. I fear for the future of my country. What I've seen on the flip side is Chinese or um, Mandarin being taught in schools in Africa. I've always said this with with colonialism. Uh, The biggest signs that it's happening is obviously when that nation or government or whoever take control of the money and when they start to take control of education. That is how you end up truly shackling uh, a nation, being able to manipulate information. And I think that's what's happening over there. And it, it is scary. And it's not just in Zimbabwe, it's happening across other countries um, within, the, within the continent of Africa. One thing that I want to talk about, you know, one of the biggest fallouts of colonialism, colonialism being a result of racism, yeah. especially Southeast Asia, to me yeah. is the relationship, maybe can't even call it a relationship, between Pakistan and India. Yeah. You know, there's a big conflict happening there and there's been this big fallout the trigger that i recognize Mm. there being is um the partition so the british were being forced out yeah but before they left yeah they really just shook up the whole face of that part of the world what are your thoughts on that there's so many different views as Pakistanis, I speak for the majority of us, we do not hate the people of India. Mm. We've been brainwashed since the partition to think that we should hate each other. Religion was used as a big tool in this. Once upon a time, when we were just one, we lived like neighbours. We loved each other. Like my 
great great uncle who's still alive he's 105 mm. he remembers the days when they used to play with each other there was no oh that's a hindu that's a sikh we're mm. muslims none of that that was taught to us through colonization and that's left such a big effect in india there are millions of muslims there's probably more muslims in india than there are in pakistan the problem we have it is the boundaries it's kashmir you know kashmir is dangled there as bait to start friction mm. you know and it's not fair i don't want kashmir india want kashmir some pakistanis want kashmir they think it's theirs but honestly a lot of majority of us we don't think that we think mm. listen kashmir is their own state it should if they want to be their independent everyone mm. has the right they've gone through enough to know that actually for what's better for us is that we're independent yeah looking at the government that's where we have the issues mm. before in pakistan we can happily admit is a fact our, our, our government was corrupt mm-hmm. right they didn't care about their own people or anyone else now we have imran khan and mm-hmm. i am going to honestly praise him if he might not give anything to pakistan he won't take anything or do anything bad and that's the same kind of response he has with kashmir we have to mention it because people are dying now yeah. it's come to the point with india and pakistan that the governments don't like each other and within india there is a lot of racism so the caste system is a huge role in this boundaries has a huge role in this kashmir mm-hmm. has a very big role in this and that is those are the main issues we're having mm-hmm. we're not finding a middle ground and i don't think we'll ever find a middle ground because allies are also different the media brainwashed everyone here there's stereotypes that we have raised terrorists we have raised the taliban it was created in pakistan and mm. the taliban are from afghanistan firstly mm. secondly i don't know like they want to be like oh sam bin laden was found in pakistan meaning that we were hiding him we would no like there's no truth behind that mm. so countries automatically think we're terrorists or you know we're like an extremist state we're really not yeah we have so many countries backing us that doesn't happen if there was even a little bit of doubt that we're extremist we're mm. not it's just western media making us look like that and western media has done the same to india as well i'm not going to lie it has done the same they don't want to talk about us but they put us in that category oh they're just extremist but it's because of them we're in this position mm. I don't know what the future is for India and Pakistan but as long as Modi is in power there's going to be more problems in India from what I've seen and what I've heard and you know the discrimination that's growing there mm. which is being fed to the people by the government and there's not much freedom there I don't know what's going to happen to India but that's them and I can't speak on their behalf we want peace and we want it to be fair but then again that I can't be biased there are people in Pakistan who have these thoughts that oh no Kashmir is ours we don't like Indians it's both side thing like we it's going to take ages to resolve this and I don't know what the solution is they're being racist to each other kind of thing like you know there's stereotypes on both sides mhm no but thank you you know it is that thing of i i don't think a lot of people are aware of what's happening over there um because as we've said you know the media chooses to report what it wants to report and even though i believe that especially um because of the history and the timeline um behind um the conf- the current day conflicts between india and pakistan um i do think that the british 
have some degree of responsibility to at least try and you know report the news at the very least but I do think that there is a responsibility there and and that there is a role that they have to play whether or not it's something of in the form of acknowledgement I want to ask you are you familiar at all with the and I might butcher this name so forgive me the Yuga community yeah so the Chinese Muslims Chinese Muslims yeah the story there is it was very hidden since maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. I had no knowledge of this. So um, I'm just going to say what I know. I'm not really going to depth because I don't know too, too much. But yeah. yes, there's a group of Muslims there. And there's not only Muslims. I think there's even Christians um, that are getting persecuted. They are being sent to camps. Very much like Nazi Germany happening basically in Yeah, Japanese internment, that type of thing. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It's very much like that that's happening in China while we speak, basically. Mm-hmm. A lot of women are being injected so they can't have kids. They're being forced to basically not be Muslim. They're being made to do things which are against Islam, breaking their own kind of religious rules just because they're Muslim. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is what's happening in China. And honestly, I think the world is kind of opening up to what the Chinese are doing, not only in this kind of sector, in a lot. But the problem with the Chinese is they're very clever in what they say. Mm-hmm. So if the government is going to expose them, they're very good at cutting that off because we rely on them heavily. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing in Hong Kong is not great. The British put us in that situation once again. It mm-hmm. is because of the British that this is happening to Hong Kong right now. Mm-hmm. We can't ignore that as well. At the same time, I understand that is a state of China, and it was before 50 years ago. Mm. Then it became like British territory or whatever it became, and now it, it's, it has to go it's back. Transition back, yeah. Back, yeah. The funny thing is, you mentioned like, oh, the British have not really done much about Pakistan and India, but the British actually have <laughs> spoken <laughs> up for Hong Kong. But the only reason is Hong Kong has money. Hong mm. Kong is very educated. The people are very educated. The people are investors. They hold a lot of weight when it comes to the stock market. And they're they're wealthy people. And they've invested a lot in Hong Kong. Yeah. The British have asked, you know, they've given a pathway for these Hong Kong refugees, that they're calling them, to come and take sanctuary here in the UK. Why? It's not, they don't care about them. They don't care about the situation. They don't even care if they live or they die. But the problem is British see an opportunity for us to generate money. Mm. And I wish the British took that much effort in educating and, you know, better free education, cheaper flipping university fees. And then our own children here would be the power behind the economy. But no, somehow they think that we think that they're making up for what they've done, but they haven't, you know, they don't care. China snap back straight away. If you do that, we're going to do this. Yeah. If you do that, we'll cut off this. That's the problem with China. Mm-hmm. They're so powerful. And even through coronavirus, they've become more powerful. Yeah. And it's scary because it started there. And you would think, you know, they have to recover as well. But they have just literally armed on and they are just like becoming bigger and bigger and so powerful. And that's the problem. When you have that power... You become to the point where it shouldn't be like this, but you are there on the unstoppable level. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting because, and I don't agree with Trump on anything, 
no. <laughs> but, you know, it was interesting because when COVID-19 sort of first started becoming more than just whispers, Trump had multiple, on multiple occasions said that we need to do an investigation into China and into the lab where supposedly it, it come from or stemmed from, or we just need to, we just need to focus more on that sort of research. I kind of did agree just because, you know, you want to know what the source yeah. of this yeah. um, mystery virus is, you know, by locating the source, you may also locate vaccine or the cure. Here's the thing. Trump then got very quiet and what that communicated to me was not only is he just a bit of a blubbering idiot, China must have retaliated in some way 100%. or given some form of a threat that would have had a major effect on the US economy. Because like you said, a lot of nations do rely on China for cheap trade. And, you know, when you, like, like you said, again, when you give a nation that much power, yeah very dangerous because then you cannot regulate you cannot challenge them it is very scary and i think that is also the main reason why we may not be able to do as much as we could for example in the case of the holocaust for those currently in in camps unlike china nazi germany wasn't a massive economic superpower yeah yeah and so it made it easy to you know, have the allies band together. So I, I, I wonder what, what the future holds then, because when we talk about racism on a global scale, you know, it, it has affected every nation on this earth. There is no nation that hasn't been affected. It may manifest itself in different ways, but mm-hmm. it, it's evident and it's there. As we fight for racial equality in America, across Europe, in the UK, yeah we cannot forget the other battles that are being had at the moment. Palestine and Israel, yeah. we're talking about in China, we're talking about the conflicts in Hong Kong, we're talking about Pakistan and India, we're talking about the nations of Africa, we're talking about all these places that have been manipulated, stripped, beaten, propped and reformed and just sort of used like an old dirty rag by western culture and western societies there is a responsibility there that you know these countries still hold in terms of um helping to resolve all these conflicts but you know i don't know what that future holds but you know i i i would say that people just need to remain as educated and as informed as they can because like we've always said, education is power and key in these in these situations because they've used education to brainwash. They've used education to indoctrinate. They've used education to to cloud facts. And yeah. education is the only way that we're going to be able to overcome. Yeah, you're right. Education is key. But I also think there's so many small steps everyone can take. We all want to be a freedom fighter. We all want to be an activist. We all want to push out and push the word out and, you know, spread. But the most important thing for me is you need to look at your own house first. Mm -hmm. Change the views of people you're around. Have people around you that kind of have the same views as you, Mm -hmm. right? Don't have people that are on the fence 
educate and if they are educate them tell them what is right and wrong especially in the elder generation i know a lot of people are like oh yeah but you know they're gonna it's no point you can't change it you can even if they're like they're not educated whatever you can kind of tell them that you know the media is doing this you know mm-hmm. that is small things that you can do to change your household then you can go out and the main point i would like to say for everyone who is genuinely looking for equality around the world you can't be picky about where you're choosing it to you be. can't racism at the end of the day is racism you are literally destroying a human being's soul and conscious because you are targeting people i you know the black lives matter we are fighting for equality we're fighting for basic human rights mm. i know i'm aware there are a lot of things happening around the world and you should be aware of those things you can't come to me and be like, okay, so Black Lives Matter, but so do all these other lives. So why are you not? No, but that's the thing that they want you to do. They <laughs> want to distract you from the point yeah. that we are actually fighting. Let us fight. For everyone that is a fighter, like, I praise you because it is a scary place. Such a place that you don't know what the consequences are. I've heard yeah. many stories of protesters disappearing. I'm honestly, if you are a fighter and you're fighting, don't give up. Mm. don't be scared because that's what they want you to do and that's what they've been doing for years and you know with the George Floyd incident I was watching the um the ceremony he said one thing which really stuck with me and it stuck with me till now said George Floyd his dad symbolizes what we're going through every day mm-hmm. we might be sitting in the UK and we're privileged but we need to not be selfish and be selfless and think about the people that actually have the knee on their neck in different ways yeah if you're going to go down this path and you're going to speak even if you sign petitions if you go to protest even if you vote Mm. you know we have that power to vote please do not give up Mm because when you give up that's what they want it's not something that's going to change in one day it might change in decades centuries but we need to educate the next generation and keep educating them that this is what we were fighting for Mm -hmm. this is what you need to fight for as well yeah. And you need to keep fighting until we see a change. You know, it's very easy to fall into the traps of stereotypes and very easy. And we're humans and we do fall into these traps. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't do it. Like, try not to do it. And don't be scared of the media. And don't be scared of, you know, big organizations and people bring you down. The last example I want to give, we did touch on it. I want to say to a lot of people that are scared to speak up about this issue, it's not really like Pakistan or India or, you know, Hong Kong and China. Yeah, it's a very specific... It's a very very different issue. I would, and I want to make it clear, I'm not Palestinian, but I've been following the issue for many years. If you don't believe in the state of Israel and you don't believe in what they've done, because they have wiped Palestine off the map, um, they've been killing Palestinians, they've been taking their land illegally, it's all a fact. So don't worry, you're not saying anything people don't know and you can't back it up. I know a lot of people think if you say anything about Israel, you automatically become anti-Semitic. You don't. Mm. You're stating a fact. So don't be scared. What I will say is don't discriminate against Jews Mm -hmm. because there's a very fine line. Do not put Jews in the same category as Israel or Zionists or the government. Be very aware because then you are being racist. Then you are discriminating. Mm. I know a lot of Muslims out there will not like me saying this. I am a Muslim myself. Do not discriminate against Jews. Mm -hmm. Please stop that. Don't discriminate against religion. We are not taught that in Islam and we shouldn't be doing it. Yes, if you want to fight for Palestinians, you fight. 
Mm -hmm. in the way that you're fighting for their land and their basic human rights. Do not start blaming other Jews and you see Jews here in the UK, or you see Jews in America or anywhere else. They've got nothing to do with it. They might, they have their own beliefs, but you have your own beliefs. Please do not discriminate. That's all I want to say. And that's my final message. I agree 100%. I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of news around anti-Semitic views, you know, high profile people who are being blamed as being anti-Semitic. I want to say... I am a believer in everyone has the right to all basic human rights. Everyone has the right to religious freedoms, to love who you love. You have the right to live the life that you choose to live. But you cannot start to weaponize minority group for your own gain when you know if it start to use anti-semitic as sort of a weapon against other people or you yeah. start to to sort of weaponize black lives matter movement because we've seen that happen you start to enter some very dangerous territory i do think it is very important for people to like you say remain self-aware and to be very careful with where the boundaries are and what lines they're about to cross because you cannot start to paint everyone with the same brush. There's been issues in South Africa, there's been issues in Nigeria where, and as we know in a, in a misogynistic world, black women, and when you're a woman in general, you're always gonna be viewed at the bottom of a totem pole. You know, in these countries, we've seen black women's bodies being mutilated, hung. You know, they've been part, these names have been part of the Black Lives Matter movement. These names have been said and mentioned and chanted as part of this movement. That is not to say that we're necessarily now going against other black people. All we're saying is that these black bodies are being used and abused. These These black people have been lost. We are trying to fight for whatever rights they had and what rights that they deserve to have, to have had. Whether the perpetrator is a white man, a Chinese man, Jewish woman, I don't know. No matter who the perpetrator is, if it's a, if it's a black woman, if it's a black man, we're talking about these lives are being discarded and lost like they're nothing and nobody's talking about them and justice is not being served. So when we talk about this ideology of equality across all nations, we're essentially saying at the end goal, it shouldn't matter what your race is, what your religion is, each human being on this earth should be entitled to the same rights and the same justices um, when it comes to injustice and acted upon them. That is the bottom line there. You cannot pick and choose whose corner you're going to fight for. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. And it's going to be a very uncomfortable journey for a lot of people. It has been a very uncomfortable journey for a lot of people. It's, it's not easy, but you do, once you start to make that commitment, you do have to stick through it because it will be a lifetime and it will unravel a lifetime's worth of past issues you know things you've been taught in the past that are actually wrong it's Mm. gonna unravel this whole can of worms that some people i don't think are ready for no it is very uncomfortable but you just have to stick to the path Mm. don't be distracted it's really hard because social media everything you know it, it sways people it sways our thoughts you know we don't know what to believe what to believe by the end of the day it's 
very simple, like, it is basic human rights. Everybody should have these rights. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter of their race, religion, anything. Yeah. Gender. It doesn't matter. Mm. It's very basic. It's just hard because we've been brought up in systems where it's not taught to us. Mm. Thank you so much, Mariam, for Thank your time you. today. This has been such a really productive conversation. Like you said, beginning before we started recording, you know, this is quite a broad topic. Mm. And so there is a lot more to sort of delve into and unravel. And we can't do that in one episode. I do, well, I do hope that people are inspired to continue to have these conversations at yeah. home, with family, with friends, because these are the sort of conversations that need to be had. And I hope that it inspires people to maybe do a bit more research into some of the topics that we've spoken about today that aren't necessarily in the public light at the moment but yeah thank you so much have a great rest of your day